بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله أما بعد. So we're here today, Alhamdulillah, in Camden, New Jersey, at Masjid Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, uh, with our Sheikh Abul Hassan Malik Al Akhdar, Hafizahullah Taala. And Alhamdulillah, we've just concluded the Jumu'ah services. And today is the 22nd of the month of Sha'ban, 1443 after the Hijrah of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So being that we are about a week or so away from the month of Ramadan, we wanted to uh, ask some questions to our Shaykh about the new book that has come out recently, 40 Hadith Concerning the Fast of Ramadan. Uh, and it includes commentary from some of the noble scholars. So Alhamdulillah, Shaykh Abul Hassan, we hope that you are doing well and you can take a few minutes to answer some questions. Well, thank you very much, Mu'ad, for, for participating in this and, um, and, and aiding us in um, having this discussion about the, the book. Jazakumullahu khayran. So, to begin, uh, can you give the audience and the listeners a brief overview of the new book? Naam. Bismillahi wa salatu wa salam ala rasulullahi amma ba'd. A couple of years ago, at the height of the pandemic, 2020, the masjid was closed down. We were in quarantine, isolated, and during Ramadan, I had decided to sit down and, and write out benefits, daily benefits, um, regarding some of the hadith on the on fasting the month of Ramadan. And uh, Alhamdulillah, each day uh, we would choose a narration uh, connected to fasting or ibadah during the month of Ramadan, and bring brief commentary from the noble scholars, past and present. Um, whether it be Ibn Hajar, Nawawi, Al-Manawi, in modern day times, uh, Sheikh Ibn Baz, Al-Albani, Al-Uthaymeen, Sheikhuna Sheikh Muqbil, uh, you know, and so on. And I found that the benefits were receiving great uh, support from, from many different quarters. If, uh, if a morning came and the, the benefits were, weren't posted, I would receive emails, text messages, phone calls from uh, from family and, and, and companions, from friends, uh, asking when the benefits would, would be posted. So that year, we I came up with 30 narrations, uh, a narration each day, um, as I mentioned, with some very short, concise benefits uh, surrounding those narrations. And what happened was the, the following year, uh, some of our brothers here at the masjid had asked me to, com to compile those, those benefits into one text. So last year, we put out uh, an ebook on the authentic prophetic traditions concerning the, the month of Ramadan, the fast of Ramadan. Fast forward this year, um, some of our brothers at the beginning of the year asked me um, to expand on what I had already started and add some narration. So I determined to put together a collection of 40 hadith. Of course, you know, this is a long-standing tradition of the ulama of Islam compiling 40 hadith on different topics and subjects from some of the more popular ones. Of course, uh, Al-Hafid al Nawawi's 40 hadith, uh, Ibn Mubarak has one and, and others. Now, this is based on an unauthentic narration. The narration is not authentic. Min hafidha min ummati arba'in hadithin min sunnati kuntu lahu shafi'an yawm al-qiyamah. That whoever from my ummah memorizes 40 narrations from my sunnah, I will be an intercessor for him on the day of judgment. Now, different wordings, of course, of that narration. Uh, ultimately, the narration is not authentic. Uh, however, as we, as I mentioned previously, it is the tradition of some of the ulama, some of the scholars of the past and, and present to compile works um, based upon that. 
And so in following that, that, that long-standing tradition, uh, we decided to put this uh, into 40 narrations. And what we decided to do after that was to, again, add those benefits from the early map. It was my goal to keep the book concise. Uh, I didn't want it to be the kind of work that was exhaustive um, in that way. I wanted it to be something that would be uh, a companion for a person during the month of Ramadan, something they could keep with them, read uh, with their family and friends, perhaps each day, read a narration or two each day, uh, just to sort of get the day going, to take those benefits in. Um, and so I, I did my best to cover as many topics and subjects in the book as, as possible, citing the, the new moon of Ramadan, giving charity during Ramadan, being diligent in worship during the last 10 nights of Ramadan, and, and many other uh, narrations, again, trying to cover as many topics and subjects during Ramadan as possible um, based upon those prophetic traditions of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I am thankful to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala for allowing me to complete this work um, and to have it published before, before Ramadan. So inshallah ta'ala, that's just uh, sort of a brief overview of, of the text. So for the benefit of uh, the listeners, can you share a couple of important points or lessons from the book? Nah. Well, what, let, let me let me do this. Um, let me just read quickly something because one of the topics that every year is a, a topic of, of hot discussion every year is the issue of the sighting of the moon. And so what I wanted to do was just quickly read from uh, the book and sort of make some, some points that we read from, from some of the mashaykh here um, and maybe sort of uh, elaborate a little bit on that. So this is Hadith 2. This is the second Hadith in the work, citing the new moon of Ramadan. And of course, this is dealing with the narration of Ibn Umar, that the Messenger of Allah said, Do not fast till you see the new moon, and do not break the fast until you see it. But if the weather is cloudy, complete the 30 days. So again, after mentioning the narration, what we, what we do is we bring the the uh, some aqwal, some different statements from the ulama, clarifying the meaning of these narrations, and again to help give uh, the reader some direction and understanding. So we quote from an alam ibn Baz, rahimahullah taala, who said, <clears throat> "It is obligatory for Muslims to begin fasting when the new moon has been sighted. The new moon is determined by the testimony of a trustworthy witness. This is the position of the major body of scholars, as authentically reported by Ibn Umar." The people were trying to sight the new moon of Ramadan, and when I informed the Messenger of Allah that I had seen it, he fasted and commanded the people to fast. Additionally, it has been reported that a Bedouin informed the Prophet that he sighted the new moon of Ramadan. Do you testify that nothing has the right to be worshipped besides Allah and that I am Allah's Messenger, he said? Yes, the Bedouin replied. The Prophet then commanded the people to fast. Thus, if a trustworthy person cites the new moon, it is obligatory to fast. And that is the quote from Sheikh Ibn Ubaz. We continue. This, however, brings a question to mind. How do we understand this narration considering different sightings in various parts of the world? Now, just quickly um, before we move on. So as we see from Sheikh Ibn Ubaz, he, he sort of explains the narration. And then we bring the question um, that commonly comes up every year concerning the different sightings around the world at different different points. And so we now quote from Al-Allama Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala, who said, The scholars differ concerning this. Some hold that the Muslims should fast together with a single sighting, meaning if a sighting is confirmed in a Muslim land, this would apply to all Muslim lands in the east or in the west. 
For example, if the new moon is sighted in Saudi Arabia, this would obligate the Muslims worldwide to fast. Others hold that this is determined by local moon sightings. If the new moon appears in one land and another land shares the same moonrise, they are obligated to fast. Otherwise, they are not obligated. This is the preponderant position based on the evidence. Allah says, فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمْ الشَّهَرْ فَلْيَصُمْ So whoever sights the crescent of the moon, let him fast it. This means if one does not sight the moon, he is not obligated to begin fasting. Also, the Prophet ﷺ said, when you sight the new moon of Ramadan, begin fasting. And when you sight the new moon of Shawwal, break your fast. We understand from this conditional phrase that if we do not sight the moon, we are not obligated to fast or break the fast. And that is the end of the quote of Sheikh Al-Urthaymeen. And then we conclude the section in sum, one should begin fasting when the new moon has been sighted by a trustworthy witness, as the evidence indicates, and Allah knows best. So I think the, 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 one of the points that I wanted to make from reading this is to show that some of these topics that are, are expansive when you think about them, there's a lot of, of detail, there's a lot that could be said about them. But when you read the concise words of the ulama, the scholars, and how they make it so clear and so plain and so simple, um, I believe it is something that's going to help uh, believers better understand uh, some of these, uh, as we said, hot button issues that come up every year. Yeah. So for the benefit of those who have not um, done something like this, can you walk us through what the behind the scenes process of compiling such a book uh, looks like? Now, so in this re in this regard, of course, you start with the with the narration itself, right? So everything everything begins with the narration of the Messenger of Allah. Of course, the narrations have to be authentic, right? They have to be authentic. So we look first and foremost, of course, to Al Bukhari and Muslim, um, and we begin to to compile those narrations. And then, of course, when we look at the other narrations from the other works of Hadith, whether it be a Tirmidhi or Abu Dawood or Ibn Majah or Nisa'i or other than that, then of course now we have to uh, look for the veracity of the narration. We have to verify the veracity of the narration. And of course that is done in a, in a variety of ways. First and foremost, referring to the ulama of Hadith. So we look to what, for example, Sheikh Al-Albani said regarding the narrations. We look to what Sheikh Una Sheikh Muqbil said regarding the narration, Sheikh Ibn Baz and others. Um, and of course, scholars of the past, Ibn Hajar and uh, other ulama of hadith as it relates to the authenticity and the veracity of these narrations. So it begins with compiling the narration. So it starts with getting authentic narrations. Then um, looking for narrations that cover a wide variety of topics and subjects connected to, to Ramadan, whether it be suhoor or iftar, or whether it be uh, fasting, or whether it be qiraatul Qur'an, whether it be qiyamul layl, tarawih, so you want to try to i'tikaf. You want to try to to cover as as many topics and subjects as possible regarding the month of, of Ramadan. So again, you begin to look through the, the works of Hadith. You read. You have to read abundantly, and you have to read widely to see what the what narrations are in the different different books of Hadith. So, for example, it started with me reading, just reading for, in, in Bukhari and in Muslim in the books of, of fasting. It also uh, began with me reading in the books of fiqh as well, and looking to see which narrations I could find in the books of hadith and in the books of fiqh. And this is something that, that I benefited from 
uh, doing my, my biography on Sheikh Abdul Qarawi, that one of his techniques of teaching is that he would have the students bring the works of hadith and the works of fiqh with them. And they would go from book to book. They would read uh, a chapter in Bukhari. And then he would ask the student who has Sahih Muslim to read through the same you know, chapter, the same uh, chapter subject in a in, in, in Muslim's book and to make comparisons to see which narrations were collected in each book. Then he would ask the students who had the books of fiqh with them to look in the same manner and to see if they could find the same narrations. So you go through that process of reading widely um, through as many works as possible. And then you sort of make comparisons between the, the different works. And then you sort of narrow it down to the narrations that, that you want to, to use. After finding the narrations, after checking the veracity, the authenticity of those narrations, then you begin the process of trying to find exp explanations, commentary on those narrations. So, of course, I wanted to uh, use as, as, as many contemporary scholars as possible um, because they, they, they are able to sort of bring you the information, of course, from the ulama of the past. And they also give us an explanation of, of things that we're facing in, in modern times. And so, of course, uh, going to Sheikh Ibn Ubaz, Sheikh Al-Islam Ibn Ubaz, uh, Al-Muhaddith Al-Albani, uh, Al-Faqih, Sheikh Al-Uthaymeen, and other than them from the scholars. So going through their works, gathering together all of their statements, and then sort of sifting through that and finding out, uh, making it as concise as possible. So in some places we had to make talakhis, we had to sort of uh, summarize or bridge um, some of the things that, that we found, especially if the discussion was lengthy. If the discussion was lengthy, we would abridge or summarize those particular statements, again, with the intent purpose of trying to make it easier upon the English reader. The other thing that I would say is important in a situation like this, when you're talking about explaining a narration, we know that there are differences of opinion as it relates to some of the topics that are covered in, in the work. So, for example, the issue of tarawih. You'll see clearly in the book in one of the narrations that I uh, lean towards the position of the 11 raka'ah, the 11 uh, units of prayer. And I quote from Sheikh al-Albani, well, one of the things I mentioned there is that, that I hold this to be the preponderant position based on uh, the evidence and based on the, the statements of the ulama um, in that regard. Now, of course, there's a difference of opinion on that. There are other statements out there. But what I wanted to do was just bring the tarjih, bring what I consider the preponderant position, again, to make it as easy as possible. Um, it was not meant to be exhaustive um, but in, in that way, but just something that, again, that the people could benefit from. So all of that went into the, the process of collecting the narrations, verifying the authenticity of the narrations to the best of, of, of my ability, then bringing the explanation uh, and commentary for those narrations, and uh, and then in the process of, of explaining those narrations, trying to make it as concise yet as comprehensive as possible. And that goes with the, the idea of the Prophet ﷺ having Jawami al-Kalam, um, those concise yet comprehensive words that we find in, in many of these narrations in the book. Yeah. So it sounds like it's, it's an in-depth research through the books of Hadith and their commentaries and the books of fiqh, both from scholars of the past and the present. So in the midst of this, what would you say is the most intriguing thing that you discovered while working on the book? Well, quite a few things that I found um, that I would have to say were intriguing. I would, think, I would say the thing that, that sort of sticks out to me the most, though, is how surprised I was that no matter whether you're reading the scholars of the past and you're reading widely am among them, or the contemporary scholars and you're reading widely among them, it's intriguing to see how all of them 
uh, have the same, basically the same statements. Now, unless it's a, an issue where there is a difference of opinion, of course, then you're going to see different, different aqua. But I mean, generally speaking, as you go through the different works, it intrigued me to see how the ulama, um, their statements are so similar. It's almost, it's almost as if they were quoting from one another in, in so many of these instances. And, and, and for me, that is just, I think that's a very important benefit. I remember Sheikh Hunashayt Muqba used to always say, um, and this is regarding issues of, of minhaj and aqid and what have you, but he would say that if you were to ask a Salafi a question in, in Spain, for example, and another Salafi in, uh, in China, for example, um, a, a question, you're going to get the same answer as it relates to, as we said, those issues of, of minhaj and aqidah. But I also found that in some of these issues of ibadah and what have you, it was just interesting and intriguing to see similar answers from Ibn Hajar and from al Nawi and from uh, Al-Manawi and from uh, Al-Sindi and, and from Ibn Baz and Al-Albani. So that intrigued me, intrigued me quite a bit. For me, it, it just, it just, it showed me, practically showed me um, that benefit that I heard from Sheikh Nasheed Muqbil um, those many years ago. So then continuing along that line, then then what would you say um, were, were the, the key challenges that you faced while compiling the work? Well, the key challenge was finding a way to where do you where do you stop in, in the process of making talqis and the process of of summarizing or abridging these statements again because i wanted to make it as concise as possible so that was a huge challenge there's just so much there was so much information on on one narration one narration again you might have had pages and pages and just in fathul bari alone um explaining the narration pages explaining a, a narration so you have to be able to figure out how to to summarize it to where it's, it's comprehensive where you are touching on as 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 much as possible on the topic to make it as as comprehensible as possible for the reader while at the same time uh, again not going too too long um not making the discussion too lengthy um and then getting away from the very purpose uh, of what you want from the work there are some works that of course are going to be um more detailed they're going to be expansive sort of in, in the writing but that wasn't the purpose of, of this particular work. So I would say the greatest challenge was finding a way to sort of um, summarize and abridge what is there. Again, it all goes back to, to reading widely. And so in reading some of the shorter commentary um, from some of our ulama on different works, it shows you how they're able to take a very detailed, complex topic and subject and are able to cut, kind of put it in very short, simplified words. Um, I think of uh, Muhammad Hayat al-Sindi's ta'liqat or explanation of the 40 hadith of al-Nawi, for example. There are some of, some of the explanation is a, a bit lengthy, but he's able to sort of, um, again, give short commentary on the narrations. And so in that way, um, you learn sort of different techniques from reading uh, the ulama as, as widely as possible. And that way you kind of figure out some of the ways uh, and means of sort of sum summarizing and, and uh, abridging um, some of the some of the aqwal. So at any rate, I would say that was probably the greatest challenge um, that I faced in the process of, of compiling this particular work. So in, in the last few years, we've seen that um, there have been various uh, books that have been produced um, by the Salafi Students of Knowledge uh, you know, workbooks on the the rulings and regulations of Ramadan, and uh, you know, various uh, um, you know rewards and virtues of Ramadan. 
and so forth. So what would you say that um, sets this particular book apart from the other books that are already in the market? Mm -hmm. Very nice question. Well, first and foremost, um, all of those books by our brothers are beneficial works. Um, they are works that, alhamdulillah, are being taught in the masajid um, each year uh, during Ramadan. And we hear the, the great feedback from the learners in our communities, from the students and the learners in our communities, the great feedback of how much they are benefiting from these works in, in so many ways and areas. Um, I think the only thing that I would say, because all of it, alhamdulillah, is based upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. All of our brothers are basing their works upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah, of course, with the understanding of the Salaf al-Salih, um, benefiting from the ulama of, of al-Islam, past and present. So in that way, um, we're all following the same methodology. Uh, alhamdulillah, that methodology of Ahl Sunnah um, and the people of narration and compiling and collecting and clarifying, inshallah ta'ala, may Allah increase us. But I would say it, in the one sense, I think that um, this particular work, because it is a 40 hadith, right, it's a specifically a 40 hadith following in that particular tradition, um, I would say that that is the, the thing that I would say distinguishes um, it from other works, simply the, the fact that it is a 40 hadith uh, trying to cover as many topics and subjects um, connected to Ramadan as possible. Uh, entering into Ramadan, for example, um, what one does throughout Ramadan, specifically in the last 10 days and nights of Ramadan, and then even a narration, the narration of fasting the six days of Shawwal, what one does after Ramadan, continuing that, that ibad and that worship throughout the year. The worship does not end um, when the moon is sighted, sighted for Shawwal, for the Eid. Um, and so in that way, again, I think all of uh, these works are tremendously beneficial. And we've heard the uh, great feedback and outpouring of support from, from all of our communities as it relates to these different works. And I just hope that this is in addition to, to those beneficial works. And I hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it a benefit for Islam and the Muslims and, and put it on our scale of good. I mean, so then lastly, we would like to ask, what are your hopes, inshallah, for this particular work? Now, I would hope, ta'ala, that this work becomes the kind of work that is, that families can read together or friends can read together. Uh, that was the purpose of collecting these benefits, uh, as I said, initially, two years ago, um, to sort of bring, bring families together, uh, friends together, communities together, to sort of just discuss um, these narrations of the Prophet ﷺ with the uh, clarification and explanation of the scholars. And so my hope is that it reaches as many of uh, our brothers and sisters as possible. And I hope that it helps us better understand some of the issues surrounding Ramadan. I hope it, in part, part of it is, is an inspiration for, for people who are striving to fast, beginning to fast, uh, learning to fast. Uh, I hope that whether the person is a, a new Muslim or someone who has been Muslim for, for some time, I hope that it is a benefit uh, for each and all. And I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows it to bring better understanding in light of the, of the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa And I hope that it helps people to return to the sunnah. So those are my hopes uh, for the text, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, that brings us to the end of the uh, questions that we had. Um, the book, alhamdulillah, is already available on Amazon and it's available in most of the Salafi bookstores and in the Masajid, or wherever authentic books are found. And so we hope that everyone will benefit from the book as we have. Uh, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this a, a benefit for Islam and the Muslims. Subhanakallahumma la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.